Franklin. Welcome back to Franklin Covey's weekly On Leadership podcast series. My name is Scott Miller, and as you know by now, I serve as your host and interviewer each week. I'm also the author of the Master Mentors book series published by HarperCollins, where our first book, Master Mentors Volume 1, featured insights from 30 guests on the On Leadership podcast. Easy, breezy, fast read, sort of like chicken soup for the soul. And out now is Master Mentors Volume 2, featuring 30 new mentors, 30 new insights from them, all drawn from the podcast. On my way now to Volume 3 in the 10-volume Master Mentor Series. And perhaps today's guest might also choose to join some of the mentors that are featured in the book. Her name is Lisa Bilyeu. She is a powerhouse. You know her as a social media titan. She is the author of the new best-selling book, Radical Confidence. She's the co-founder of Quest Nutrition. She has a podcast, a leadership movement, and she makes me look like I am in a coma because her positivity is contagious. Lisa, welcome to On Leadership. That's amazing, Scott. Honestly, before we even just started rolling, I don't think I've laughed as much ever on a pre, um, pre-interview pre that I have with you. So I'm like, I'm so excited that our energy is going to match each other's. Um, yeah, I'm excited about this one. Well, make sure you tell that to our elusive but best friend, Jay Shetty, who continues to avoid this <laughs> podcast. Will. So I'll be looking for you to send us both a message in social. Speaking of social, I'm not exaggerating when I tell you, I think you have the best social media in the world. If anyone wow. is not following Lisa Bilyeu on any of her platforms, her message, her daily confrontation of facts, of all of our fears, of our joys, of our passions. Your social is phenomenal. I'd like you to take a moment and just, before we talk about the book and your projects and your history, talk a bit about what your strategy is on how you use social media to lift, to talk, to inspire, to confront. Your social is extraordinarily positive while still being sort of riveting. Talk about why your social is so important as it helps to lift other people up to build their own radical confidence. Oh, thank you so much. I think it really just stems from what are the things that would resonate with me? And whenever I saw anyone that was like perfect, I was like, well, I can't be that. So, um, you know, it wasn't inspiring. And so I thought, you know what? There's so much messiness when it comes to showing up, building confidence, getting in front of the camera. And it is extremely uncomfortable for me. I, you know, anxiety, I have a negative voice in my head that's always telling me I'm no good. So I was like, in not sharing this, I feel like I'm doing a detriment to people because if I show up every day and I'm like, come on, you've got this. All you have to do is believe in it. I'm like, it won't actually work. And so to me, it was so important to not just talk impact, but to actually achieve impact. And so when I started to assess, okay, this is your North Star, this is your goal to actually create impact. How do you do that? And so for me, it was like, I have to be authentic, it has to be something that would resonate with me. And to be honest, I just have to say all the hard stuff, like the no BS stuff, even if people don't like it, because that's how I changed my life. That's how I went from being a stay at home wife for eight years, not loving my life, not speaking up about how unhappy I was, to then flipping my life around and helping build a billion dollar company and now build impact theory studios it all comes from addressing the real truth the real truth of how we feel about ourselves the real truth about how inadequate i feel even now um the real truth over the fact that i have a crippling negative voice that tries to hold me back over everything that i do and she's been there since she was 13. um being honest about it to me has been become a um relief 
And also, I think it's been a super empowering tool. And so when I go, I'm really goal orientated, what's going to create that actual impact? It isn't to BS people and just give them fluff. It, to, it is to absolutely make a change. And so that was my North Star. And I said, look, at the end of the day, I'm going to see people if it resonates with people. And if my goal is actually creating impact and I post things and it doesn't create impact, I'm going to change the strategy. I'm going to change what platform I talk on. I'm going to change how I deliver it. I don't have to be in front of the camera. So because my North Star, remember, is creating impact. So knowing your North Star, knowing what you're trying to achieve, and then staying very consistent on that, no matter what people say, no matter how many people don't like you, um, then will equate to either getting to your goal or not getting to your goal. And if you don't get to your goal, now at least you can pivot. So for those of you who are listening to us, I implore you to follow Lisa on social media. For those of you who are watching today, we're all wondering why Lisa has chosen to join us from apparently an oddity and curiosity museum, because I'm not quite sure what's happening there. Talk about what's in your background. <laughs> Excuse me. You made me choke on that one. Um, so going back to literally what I just said, I find so much for eight years, my crippling voice in my head that was telling me I was no good was holding me back. It wasn't allowing me to t take that step into the life I actually wanted. And I thought at the time I needed confidence. And so I would say to myself, when I have the confidence to speak up, when I have the confidence to do this, when I have the time, when I have the money, how many people right now are using that as a reason to not get started? Now, the question is, what if the confidence never came? And that was exactly what happened. The confidence never came. I had to take one foot in step in front of the other to build my confidence over time. And so I said, I don't feel good about myself. What tools am I going to use so that I can feel good about myself to then gain confidence? So it became, what are the things to, that I can use? Kids, when you put a cape on a kid, what do they do? They think they're a superhero and they jump off the roof. Right. They put their fist in the air. Right? They jump on the couch, hopefully not the roof, they jump off couches and um, they act like they're actually a superhero. But somewhere along the line, as adults, we've ignored this instinctual thing that we can use as one of the most powerful tools. Clothes, appearance, things around us. Kids, when they play with little dolls and they play with little superheroes, you see how excited they get. You see them embody it. And so I was literally just like... Um, scrambling, trying to think of what ways can I feel good about myself on a daily basis? I was like, oh, well, kids use clothes. Kids use a cape. So I was like, what is my cape? So I started wearing this Wonder Woman necklace around my neck. And I know that habits, uh, sorry, that repetition can create a habit. So I want to start feeling better about myself. What am I going to create and habit am I going to build? And so every time I put this Wonder Woman on, this was my first test, I would put it on and I'd be like, you're a badass like Wonder Woman. You're a badass like Wonder Woman. And I would repeat that every single day. Now, by the 30-day mark, I actually don't know if it was the actual 30-day mark, but as I started to put this on, it became habitual. I started to think, oh, you're a badass. And so I was like, well, if I can do this with a necklace, what else can I do it with? So I started to put figurines around me and be like, if I have this woman that's just kicking butt, in moments of feeling weak, in moments of not believing myself, in myself, can I look around me and get motivated? Because that's it. Can I keep moving forward? Because anything anyone tries, the success isn't guaranteed. The success is never guaranteed. But the journey and the struggle is. 
So if you're on, if you have a goal, if you're on a path and you keep facing obstacles, what are you going to do? What are you going to use as motivation so you can keep freaking showing up? Because you're going to fall, you're going to fail. How do you get back up? This was my answer. Decorate my, my room with empowering figurines. Have books. Like I've got kids' books behind me that's like the superheroes of a generation. I've got um, award top win, win, women in Hollywood. I look around as inspiration. I use my jewelry as ways to kind of embody, like these are my cuffs, these are my Wonder Woman cuffs. And um, all of these things that I've just laid out is extremely deliberate. It is ways that I have come up with to counteract how I feel about myself when I approach new things. Lisa Bill Yu, my sister from, from an apparently uh, British another mother, your book is Radical Confidence, the 10 No BS Lessons on Becoming the Hero of Your Own Life. You wrote this book, uh, just released recently, bestseller book. It's been on fire. Uh, it's also come on the heels of a lot of failures and a lot of successes. One of the successes that you and your husband, Tom Ballou, also a social media icon influencer, is your book, or is your business, Quest Nutrition. Talk a little bit about the history behind Quest. Most people know it as a nutritional company. We know the Quest bars we find in every grocery store in, in America. Talk a bit about the company. What are some of the maybe humbling lessons that you've learned as a co-founder of this company? Yeah, so I had gone from spending eight years of my life supporting my husband. He went out to try and make enough money so that we could make movies. So my background's filmmaking, my husband's background's filmmaking. We both had horrific experiences in the industry. So kind of like one day we're like, oh, well, we should just make enough money to like finance our own films in that way. No one can treat you badly. No one can treat you poorly. And so we're like, that seems like, a, you know, solve like let's just do it this was before the word entrepreneur really was around so we didn't have that word but that started the journey of my husband trying to earn enough money and that became an eight-year journey where i ended up staying at home supporting him and he ended up going out and trying to chase money of course surprise surprise um money doesn't buy happiness so after about the eight years he was utterly miserable doing something he hated and so we just said all right enough's enough we're going to change the way that we live we're going to predicate our lives on passion and a mission instead of a monetization because it's made neither of us happy so that became a catalyst to my husband going in and talking to his business partners and they ended up coming up with the idea of a protein bar now at this point i'd already adopted the mindset that i was a good supportive wife so even though i had all these dreams i was brought up in a very traditional greek orthodox household so i was a good supportive wife at this point i'd been that for eight years i didn't think i need i didn't think i had the confidence to speak up so i said to my husband oh how can i help you babe it was that that changed everything because we grew at 57,000%. Now, what does 57,000% look like? It looks like me helping out my husband shipping bars off my living room floor one day to then growing so quickly within a month when I was shipping out of my partner's garage. And because I was just the one that, that was shipping, everyone was like, oh, Elisa, you can do it. Now, when you're growing that fast and your house is on the line, so we'd put our house up for collateral and you face obstacles, you face challenges, that you have no idea what you're doing, but no experience. I've been eight years as a stay-at-home wife. I don't know how to build a department. I don't know how to build a business. But when you face those challenges, when you face those obstacles, you have a chance, you have an opportunity to say, I can't, there's no way. Or you say, I'm going to figure this out. That's a mindset. 
Now, if you say it can't be done, guess what? You're never going to act as if it can be. So you're going to stop. But if you say, I'm going to figure this out, there must be a way, you're going to keep moving forward until you find a way. So the perfect example of this was Quest is growing. Someone, um, our marketing officer comes running into the shipping department. And he's like, oh my God, we've got an opportunity to get our protein bars to Justin Bieber. Now we're tiny at this point. So getting bars to Justin Bieber was a massive deal. And they're like, but it has to be um, in 48 hours and it has to be in Dubai because that's where he was going to be, but it was only going to be there for 48 hours. Now in that moment, as the entrepreneur, as it being my business, I was like, okay, well, I have to figure this out. Now it's one thing to say it, one thing to do it. So I start, I call up our UPS guy. And the first things out of his mouth was, well, who, um, it's not possible. Now, I ask, I tell, in fact, I tell you, no one will fight for your dream harder than you will. Let me just repeat that. No one will fight for your dream harder than you will. So when you ask a question, if you ask for help and someone says it's not possible, it is up to you to decide whether it's possible or not. So in that moment, I reminded myself, no one's going to fight for your house more than you will, Lisa. You cannot listen to him. You have to like figure it out. That figuring it out made me speak to the manager. That manager said the same thing. And so I had the chance and I was like, I have to just figure it out myself. What did that figuring out look like? It meant reading import and export rules, going on to Google and saying, how do I get food product in Dubai? It was answering, filling out forms, filling out more forms than I needed, calling UPS in Dubai and asking them if they can track it for me. That is how you go from being someone that has no idea what they're doing to having a goal and saying, I will figure it out. So that was the very first um, introduction into my going from a stay-at-home wife into business and that was a one of the most powerful lessons I learned because I took that idea and that mindset into every aspect of our business as we were growing so that was just one thing I obviously have way more but <laughs> and so did the bars get to Justin Bieber ah so here's the thing they did get to Justin Bieber but I don't know if he actually ate them. But I was like, you know what? I can't focus on that part and think of it as a failure. And actually, this is a second massive piece of learning that I got from the early days of Quest where I didn't know what I was doing. Just because you fail, it doesn't mean you are a failure. And we think that, if a, that a failure does equate to what we think about ourselves. And that means that we're a failure. Now, what I would say and what I learned from that is a failure actually doesn't say anything negative about you. A failure says that you give um, and you care about your life enough to give it a shot. So in that moment where I'm like, I got it there, but man, you know, I failed. Justin Bieber didn't actually post it. I was focusing on the wrong thing. That was the thing that I couldn't control. The thing that I could control was, did I get it to him? Yes or no. And so in that moment, I was like, yes, I did. So it, di it didn't equate to what I wanted it to, but it wasn't a failure. And if I walk away from this situation right now and say that I am a failure, I'm going to learn the wrong lesson. And so the lesson was, what can I take from this? What can I take from this failure to actually be more powerful, more knowledgeable next time? And so that becomes the notion of being the learner. And so this was the other thing that was any leadership, anyone listening to this right now, this was literally the mindset I adopted that helped me through everything, through insecurity, through failure, from, through feeling badly about myself. Adopt the mindset of the learner. Now, take an, a crippling situation, which for me, um, a real situation was, I was walking into a boardroom, there was something like six or seven men with about 10 
years worth of business experience over me. I spent eight years as a stay-at-home wife, and I walk into these board meetings with these men that have way more experience than I do. I have crippling anxiety, right? In that moment, I've got imposter syndrome. Lisa, you don't, you don't have no right to be here. I'm like trying to like sink into the background, hoping that like no one will see me. Um, and then I adopted the mindset of the learner. Now, what does that do when you walk into a room like that? Now, there's no imposter syndrome. I go and go, oh my God, all these guys have more experience and have more knowledge than me. What can I learn? I now don't want to sink into the background because I don't want to be invisible. I want to be seen so that I can ask questions so that I can learn. I can say something and be wrong and have someone correct me and not that won't dent my ego because I've got the identity of the learner. And in that situation, my ego doesn't take a, a you know a pummel to the face. It doesn't get bruised. It goes, oh my God, thank you for letting me know because now I'm more wiser for it. So those are a few things that in just growing, I've got so many, but in Growing Quest, those were some extremely powerful mindset um, tips and tactics that I used being an insecure female who had no experience. I still like the way you pronounce Justin Bieber. <laughs> I can say that all the time, homie. <laughs> Lisa, let's get Before serious. we started, he did say, I want you to call me homie at least three times. So that's why I said it like that. <laughs> Justin Bieber. Uh, let's get serious. I like this concept of betting on yourself. It's a recurring theme in your life, in your book, in your social. Talk about the ups and the downs that everyone should be aware of as they become more courageous, they're more radically confident about betting on themselves. Oh, yeah. So this is one of these, if you're not willing to bet on yourself, who is going to? So if you're asking for other people to give you a chance to give you a shot to let you know or you're saying like no I'm gonna grow I'm gonna change like you need some or you want someone maybe to believe in you but if you don't believe in yourself you're never gonna get there so first and foremost you got to set that goal and you got to say I believe in myself to figure it out I'm not even saying blindly believe in yourself right because let's face it that doesn't serve you either you're never gonna get to your goal if you're like I know I can get there no, no, it is absolutely being open and honest about what it's going to take to get there and then saying, I'm going to commit and I'm going to be committed and dedicated to achieving this. And I, that is in my power. It is in my power that I show up every single day. Um, my husband actually just gave an analogy and I loved it. He was saying like, it all comes back to desire. Like how bad did you actually want something? And he was like, if you take someone's head and you put them in water, right? And you hold their head down. Think about how bad you want that breath. And then you let them back out and then you push them back down. The desire to take that next breath is so intense. You're willing to do whatever it freaking takes, right? You're willing to actually kill the person that's holding your head down. When you have that much desire, when you believe in yourself that much, you will figure it out no matter what obstacle comes your way, no matter what challenge you face. If you believe in it and you have that much freaking drive, you will figure it out. So that's why betting and believing in yourself is the fundamental basis of how you can show up every day. Now, the second part is you believe in yourself, but what is that belief? Like, what are you actually betting on? Because for me, I'm not betting on the fact that I'm never going to fail. Huh, that's setting myself up for failure. But I bet on myself that I'm the kind of person that keeps getting back up. Now that, I can easily make that bet all, all day because that's in my control. That has nothing to do with anyone external. That has nothing to do with anyone else. That is all on me. So now when you um, 
when you bet on yourself and someone actually, no, in fact, let me say this. So now, if you bet on yourself and you fail, how do you show up the next day? Because that's going to be imperative. You bet on yourself to not just be the person that's going to figure things out, but you're going to bet on yourself to be the person that when you fail, you get back up. That's how you continuously grow because you will face a challenge. You may face an obstacle. You may face a failure. And let's say you've told everyone about it, right? Let's say I've told the whole world, guys, I'm writing a book. I'm so excited and everyone's cheering for me. And then the book becomes a failure. Well, now... How am I going to handle that? If I bet on myself, if I bet that I'm the person that gets back up in those moments, that crippling like feeling of failing and feeling badly and feeling the sting won't last. So the betting on yourself is going to be imperative that you can bet on yourself that you're going to achieve something and that you're willing to do what it takes. And you're the kind of person that bets on yourself that even when, in spite of failure, you're going to be the person that gets back up and learn from it. Especially if you have what you said earlier, you have a learner's mindset. You have a you know, insatiable curiosity exactly. to recognize there's so much to be learned from this. I think one of the favorite quotes I've ever heard is, oftentimes a disappointment turns into an appointment. An appointment for <laughs> something else. A, a redirection of your energy. The lessons that are learned. I try to live my life that way. Lisa, your book, Radical Confidence, is not for the faint at heart. I'm going to episodically skip around a little bit. I might censor some. And by the way, you have two homies left in our time together. You talk about this phrase <laughs> you, of um, toughen the F up, buttercup. What's the yeah. lesson to be learned there? Oh, it's, it's both. It's both um, being tough and then being a buttercup. Because growing up as a Greek female, I was definitely taught by my parents and my grandparents what a quote unquote woman, a lady should be. And it was, you know, um, always being quiet. Like my grandmother wouldn't eat dinner with us. She's very old school traditional. And it was like, oh no, the, the woman eats after the family. Just to give you an idea of the type of thing that I was taught and I saw growing up. So I was definitely shown multiple times there was a guy that literally pat my sister on the head once and was like girls should be uh, only speak when spoken to so growing up you see that all the freaking time and so i thought that i had to be soft i had to be um, submissive i had to be accepting but it didn't ever resonate with me of how i truly felt so i was taught and told be the buttercup and then as i transitioned into business I realized that um, being free with my emotions actually didn't serve me. Like, I'm just going to say it, like just openly crying in a meeting. I didn't want to be too sensitive where I was emotionally triggered a lot. Now, I have a lot of emotions and I can definitely be steered by my emotions. So I recognized that my emotions, I had to be able to feel the feels, give myself the permission to feel all the, you know, the feels that I'm feeling but not always just following it blindly. So that's really what I mean by you just got to toughen up sometimes, buttercup. Like you can still be a buttercup, um, but also you can't just wear your heart on your sleeve. I have personally learned you can't wear your heart on your sleeve when you're in a leadership position. Now, it also goes the other way where as I started to learn more about business, I hardened up too much. And now I was um, coming across, I think, a bit like a B-I-T-C-H. And so that also goes, oh, being too tough, not showing a heart, not showing that you've got a soft side also doesn't serve you. And going back to something you 
said earlier, which was, you know, one of the greatest compliments you ever gave me, homie, um, was that you said about my social media, about me being honest. And my honesty when it came to the messaging I was getting was very conflicting. I was hearing from one side that I had to be this soft-spoken, submissive woman. And then I was hearing on this other side that to be a leader in business, you had to be a B-I-T-C-H. You had to be a hard nut. You had to not care about people. And neither felt right. Like, I, I kind of want to embody both. And so I ended up saying, well, I honestly don't care what other people are thinking. I think that this is my superpower. No one to be soft, no one to be a buttercup, no one to be compassionate, no one to, I mean, always be compassionate, but no one to tap into that side of you. And at the same time, be a freaking beast. Don't take everything personally. Know how to show up, crush your game. Don't be too sensitive um, and be honest about that too. So that was really what the chapter covers. Lisa, I'm sorry to ask you this, but for the last few minutes, could you please bring some energy and passion to this interview? <laughs> okay, let's talk All about- right, Scott, <laughs> if you insist, homie. Let, uh, that's three, you did it, ding, ding, ding. Okay, let's talk about the concept of get off the couch and put on your bad bitch boots. Yeah, buddy. So this goes back to kind of what I was touching upon earlier about my appearance. So. I was the person that tried to fit in. I didn't want to be bullied. I didn't want to be teased. Um, I was bullied and teased. So I was like, well, why would I ever try and stand out? Just fit in, Lisa, fit in so that you don't uh, garner attention. And so that fitting in meant I was ignoring all the things that I loved. So um, it's actually uh, grown out now, but I have I ha had the Wonder Woman logo shaved in the back of my hair at one point. Um, it's all about self-signaling to me because I can really get driven by my emotions. And so in order to not get driven by emotions, I need to know what tactics and tools I can use when I want to show up and be a freaking badass. Because sometimes I don't feel like it, but sometimes you need to. You need to tackle this challenge. You've got to show up and crush it. You know, I'm trying to bring the energy to this interview. So how do I do it? Like, it's not like I naturally wake up like this. So I go, oh, okay. Oh, no, no, no. No, I think you do. <laughs> I think, let's just be clear. I think you do. <laughs> Keep going, my friend. I need, a, I need like 10 minutes. I need a cup of coffee and I need my <laughs> headphones with my music and then I'm good to go. But I sadly don't jump out of bed like this. Um, but it, I, oh, so in order for me to do that, I go, well, instead of judging myself naturally, because I, I, I just stopped that a long time ago. I don't judge how I naturally think. I don't judge how I naturally feel, but I don't allow it to dictate what I do and how I feel, if that makes sense. So I just say, what am I trying to achieve? And what can I use around me in order to do that? So let's face it, um, motivation, no one has it all the time. Like there are moments where all you wanna do is sit on a couch with a tub of ice cream and watch Netflix. And in moments like that, if that's what your heart desires, go ham. I don't care. But in moments where that's what you want, but it doesn't serve your goal, how on earth do you motivate yourself to get off the couch? It's never just one thing. Right? The, the analogy I give in my book is it's kind of like um, glutes of steel. You wouldn't just do a couple of squats in the gym and then automatically ex expect amazing glutes. It would have to be repetition. It would have to be knowing the position. It would have to be you know, commitment to the idea. And so that to me is what motivation is. You can't just say one or two affirmations in the mirror and then think, oh, I'm good to go. I'm motivated. I got this. It's like, no, you need to like have all these tools that when one doesn't work, what is that next thing you're going to do? Because I don't allow myself for my emotions to take over. So the bad bitch boost with my version of what actually gets me to show up. And it all came from, I had the TEDx talk and I was freaking petrified. I was like, I really don't want to do it. I'm so scared 
to public, to speak in public. But I knew what my goal was. I knew what my mission was. It was to create impact. And so I said, okay, going on stage aligns with my impact, but I'm scared. So how do I motivate myself? How do I get myself to have the energy, to have the, um, the, the belief to go on stage and freaking crush it? Because I don't feel like I can. And so it became like the hair became like the symbol for me as like my cape, the necklace. Like I said earlier, I literally put this on time and time again. Like I will always wear this because even now as I'm doing the interview, I, all I have to do is glance down and I see it. That gives me that little motivation. Um, and then it was my bad bitch boots. I would, it was accidental, but I realized every time I put on my knee high boots, I felt like a freaking badass. And so that became the get off the couch and put on your bad bitch boots. And what I do in the book is what is that for you? Maybe it's not knee high boots for you. Maybe it's jewelry. Maybe it's a pair of glasses. Um, everyone has their one tool that they can use as a power tool to help them get off that couch. And what I want people to do is start to identify what that is for them and then have it easily accessible so that in the moments where you need that boost of motivation, you go to your cheat sheet and you go, oh, okay, number one, it's my necklace. Number two, did I do my hair? Number three, did I get my cuffs in place? Um, you know, number four, and so on and so forth. Um, and so that's really what the bad bitch boots are, is to identify your freaking power item and lean into it when you need it. Lisa, I'm guessing a lot of our viewers right now are very inspired by you and our listeners the same. And I'm guessing some of them probably can find you unrelatable. That's a compliment, right? In terms of your passion, your clarity, your focus, your confidence, your vulnerability. In fact, the book is very vulnerable. You write a lot about very sensitive topics around admitting when you're wrong, owning your mistakes, offering apologies. Everything isn't about always moving forward. You have a lot of very tender moments where you talk about how important it is to kind of contemplate where you are and what you've done right, what you've done wrong, how you will learn from that. I also like how you finish the book with this concept of when the shit hits the fan, wear goggles. I think it's a great metaphor. Talk and unpack why that's so important for us to kind of live and, um, and own that. Thank you. Um, that's actually really important for me to address. So first of all, the um, notion that I'm, un I'm unrelatable, the quote that changed my life, and I want you guys to lean in right now because this quote was from Lisa Nichols, one of the most incredible motivational speakers. And she said, don't make me extraordinary to let yourself off the hook. I'm just gonna take a beat and repeat that. Don't make me extraordinary to let yourself off the hook. Now she said this in a moment, I'm listening to her, my husband was interviewing her and I was before I was ever in front of the camera, I was sitting in the audience and I was executive producer of a show. And I'm sitting there watching Lisa Nichols and my husband talk and she says, as she's talking, I'm like, oh my God, she's so amazing. Oh my God, she's so amazing. I could never do that, she's so amazing. She says this. So as I'm thinking it, she's literally like, don't do that. Don't make me extraordinary to say you can't try. That's giving you an out. And so I actually want to address that, that I, the reason why I wrote the book is that that very notion is that I don't want people to think that how I got here is because I have an extraordinary spark. It's because all of a sudden I, you know, or I was born with confidence or I was born with this incredible self-esteem. It's like, oh God, no. Even when I wrote the book, when a literary agent approached me last year, I'd already built and sold a billion dollar company. I'd already built our studio that has over 500 million views on our content. And when someone approached me to write a book, the very first words out of my mouth were, who on earth would buy a book from me? 
And it's imperative that I say that out loud that you guys hear me because just to Lisa Nichols point, don't make me extraordinary. That won't serve you. What will serve you is to look at the vulnerability, to look at where I started, to look at how crippling my negative voice is still to this day and look at the tactics I use to get myself out. So thank you so much for actually saying that because that is so important to me that people don't see me as being um, unrelatable. And then to your next thing, the reason why, sorry, Stu. No, please keep going, I'm riveted, keep going. <laughs> um, and then to this point about the chapter of um, when the shit hits the fan, wear goggles, I just went to what was the thing that held me back for so long from changing my life? When I was profoundly unhappy for eight years, what was that thing that actually got me to make a change, to actually start living my life? And one of the biggest fears was, what if I fail? Right now, I'm getting so many accolades, so many pats on the back by being this amazing wife. And that makes me feel good. Even though I don't like the job, the identity that I currently hold of being a good Greek wife makes me feel good about myself. Now, if I change <clears throat> and I start to go on this entrepreneurship journey, what if I change my identity to an entrepreneur and I fail? Where am I going to feel good about myself? Where are people going to give me the pats on the back? And I realized that idea, that notion, kept me stuck, kept me in an identity that didn't fill up my heart. So what I realized was, worried about failing is the wrong focus. Because the truth is, everyone that succeeded, everyone has failed at some point in their life. You look at um, Edison, when um, he did something like 10,000 tries on the light bulb, and someone asked him, like, hey, Edison, you know, how did you handle 10,000 failures? And his answer was, it wasn't 10,000 failures, it was 10,000 lessons. So now you can imagine that if you've got that idea that it isn't a failure, it's a lesson, what am I actually worried about? So now once I started to process that, once I started to process that actually it was just I was worried about the emotion I would go through, through failing, how can I pivot this idea so that it doesn't stop me from making a step forward. So I'm going to share a quick little story with you of something that happened at Quest that changed my life on how I thought about failure. So it's very early days. We just about had enough money to hire a team for them to make our product. So before then, we were making them rolling pins and knives. Then we graduated because we were growing so quickly. We hired a team. One day, we're running a batch of bars, and the guy comes into the office, and he's got this ghostly look on his face. And he's like, oh my God, I've totally messed up. I'm so sorry. He thinks he's about to get fired because he's messed up a batch of bars that back then cost around $5,000, which when you're a startup, as you all know, that can make or break your business. So I start to panic because I think, oh my God, we're failing. The company's going to go under, right? My mind goes into the extreme of what failing means about us as a company and that we're about to like break. And my husband, he's just like, let's just see what we've got. Before we actually panic over a failure, let's actually just see what we've got in front of us. So we walk into the production facility and the guy starts explaining. He was making a peanut butter batch of bars, followed by a mixed berry batch, followed by a lemon batch. But he made a mistake and accidentally he put, on, he put in the peanut butter flour, the peanut butter protein powder, and he accidentally grabbed the flavoring of the mixed berry bar. And so he's like, it's, 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 it's a trash. We have to you know, trash everything. My husband's like, let's just see what we've got. So he takes a bite and all of a sudden, someone turns around and was like, Huh, it kind of tastes like PB&G. 
So what we immediately did is we took these bars that we thought were trash, we quickly wrapped them in nondescript uh, wrapping paper, we blast out on Facebook, we've got a new prototype, PB&J prototype, only 200 boxes, limited edition, we sold out like that. Within a week, everyone was trying them. They were posting it on Facebook. Oh, my God, this is my new bar. So now all the people that didn't buy it had major FOMO. So now they were like, we want to try this bar. Within a month, we get wrappers made, and it became our number one selling protein bar at that time. So now, back to your question. I learned that failure doesn't mean that you are a failure. Failure could actually be an amazing opportunity. Lisa, Bill, you, you are the sun, S-U-N. You are uh, contagiously positive. I feel like my, my battery has been charged to go out and take on all the <laughs> dreams and own my fears and recognize that it's normal to have you know, imposter syndrome and it's normal to be intimidated, it's normal to compare. Your book is an absolute masterpiece, Radical Confidence, 10 No BS Lessons on Becoming the Hero of Your Own Life. What a joy to have spent the last 40 minutes with you. Thank you so much for coming today on On Leadership. I appreciate your, um, I appreciate that you are just, you're an energy infuser. It's the best word to describe you. Thanks for being you. Oh my God, Scott, thanks so much for having me. You've been freaking awesome, homie. And I just thoroughly enjoyed this. You bring the energy and your background is fire. Anyone who wants to talk about books and help people grow um, has my vote. And then just finally actually meeting you in quote-unquote person is such an honor. Finally, so uh, finally me. actually meeting me. Um, on the next Master Mentors, it's going to say from Lisa, Scott, you are freaking awesome, homie. Maybe you'll be in volume four or five. I'll be in Done. touch. I'll be in touch. You got it, homie. You That's are a given. awesome. I love you and my wife, <laughs> but I love you too. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you back here next week for a new conversation on leadership.